This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, November 17, 2008. I'm Caleb Brown. President-elect Barack Obama spoke highly of both the private sector and of tax policies that are in many instances nothing more than redistribution. Cato Institute Research Fellow Jason Kuznicki argues that redistribution, policies that move wealth from one place to another, are not simple matters of mathematics. They destroy the wealth they are intended to spread around. There are two ways for any individual to get wealthy. The first is to take some wealth that has already been produced by someone else and claim it for their own. And honestly, this is a fairly simple way for an individual to get wealthy. It's easy. Anyone can understand it. Almost anyone can do it if they are either strong or clever. It doesn't require any particular legal order. It doesn't require the consent of anyone else. It doesn't require any uh, particularly great uh, social or economic coordination. There's a second way to get wealth, though, and that's a way that enriches both the individual and the society, and that's a much more difficult way. That is to create and to exchange. And doing that requires both that the individual have some amount of talent or intelligence or some insight about a market and how he can provide a product or a service more effectively, and it also requires an extended legal and social order that permits uh, exchange, that permits dissemination of information and of goods and services throughout it. And that's a much more difficult way of an individual to get wealth, but it is the only way for a society to get wealth. And politicians seem to be at their best when they can make one look like the other, going both directions, in fact. Oh, of course. Uh, Making the one look like the other has been the business of politicians ever since the origin of politics. The uh, economist Frederick Bastiat has this really foundational essay for libertarian thought called What is Seen and What is Not Seen. And really what is not seen very often is that that first way of creating wealth for an individual does not create wealth for a society. It in fact destroys wealth for a society because where a free exchange leaves both parties better off, a predation or my simply going out and grabbing someone else's wealth in fact leaves the society worse off because it inhibits the creation of wealth via production and exchange. It disincentivizes that. Why should I bother to go out and make something and trade it with someone else when I know it's probably just going to get stolen anyway? The notion that free exchange creates wealth is something that, uh, while again, Obama pays great lip service to, when it comes to international trade agreements, he again is making one look like the other by saying, well, when we engage in these trade agreements, uh, there is loss, and there are losses, and we need to do something to prevent these losses renegotiating certain trade agreements. Yes, his uh, skepticism about international trade agreements, particularly about NAFTA, is troubling to me because while there are certainly problems with any of these large trade agreements and where there are certainly provisions in each of them that I might not necessarily care for, the overall effect is, I think, a move in the right direction and something that ought to be encouraged rather than discouraged. Anytime that it becomes easier for products and services to be brought to market, that second way of creating wealth for the individual also goes to work for society and 
it has the tendency to enrich the society overall. Yes, there will be winners and losers in that process, and yes, there will be dislocations in the short term, but the only long-term way to create wealth is by that process of specialization and trade with other people. That fact is very easy to forget. I mean, there are millions of Americans who at night turn on their 42-inch plasma screen or LCD screen TVs to watch Lou Dobbs rail against uh, free trade. So it's very easy to forget that, you know, where where the actual wealth you have uh, uh, comes from. One of the strangest things about protectionism of of exactly that sort is that if— for example, trade with Mexico is bad. Well, why isn't trade with, say, New Mexico bad? Why isn't trade with Texas bad? Why, why do we think that trade is good until it reaches a certain geographic point and anything beyond that is bad? That doesn't make any sense economically. That can't be justified economically. I think the whole argument is summed up in one sentence, and it, it's this— Although few recognize that uh, there's a connection between the discipline of the market and the wealth of the economy, we're all very well aware that our personal wealth could be increased if we were accepted from that discipline. If we could do whatever we wanted personally while everyone else had to go to work and earn a living, but we had special regulations or special privileges that affected us alone, then we would be the biggest beneficiaries of all. But that's a problem because... When everyone wants that, everyone loses collectively. Jason Kuznicki is a research fellow at the Cato Institute and managing editor of Cato Unbound. He was also an assistant editor on the Encyclopedia of Libertarianism. You can get your copy at cato.org.